This is Beers with Hallows. Threats, beers, and mouths of boys. Welcome or welcome back. Uh, Hazel, what episode is this? This is Beers with Talos, episode 141. Are you sure? Nope, I have very little confidence behind that number. Okay, okay. This is Beers with Talos, and today we have a few, uh, two guests with us that we're going to get to. A couple few. couple few guests here today. Uh, before we get to them, I am your host, Mitch Neff. Joining me, as always, is Matt Only and Loreen... Granierier. That really did. You cleaned it Matt up. Told there, me I was saying nice. your name wrong this whole time. I think you got it right. Nailed it. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I nailed it. I think I nailed Thank it. Thank you. So today we are going to talk about our annual year in review. Uh, and from that team, we have uh, uh, one of our favorite guests. Dave Liebenberger. I did nail that one too. Yes. Perfect. Damn it. I'm awesome at this. Yeah. And also from my team today, we have uh, another special guest, Madison Sick Burns. A returning, a returning <laughs> guest. A returning guest that nobody has heard on this podcast before, and the rest of you have to figure that out. That was a uh, pretty much an exclusive for our live YouTube audience on on that episode. Uh, but we are going to have Madison back on again. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start today like we start every episode around here. We're gonna go around the table and get some opening thoughts from everybody. And if you remember long term beers with Talos fans, last year when we had a year in review episode and have Dave on, we had one of our most I, I I would dare say popular but maybe divisive bits that we have had on this show in in maybe its entire run, uh, and that was that was Dave's Thanksgiving last year uh so maybe we'll get to that in the round table but uh matt you are top right so what is on your mind am today? i i am i'm you feeling are. i got strong top right energy today <laughs> top right vibes are coming through my that's man. new for him yeah yeah <laughs> much more of a bottom left kind of guy normally <laughs> yeah not not that that'll surprise any long time that's where all the good ones sit. Wow, Mitch has turned a weird color. <laughs> Dude, laughing in a chest cold is not a good combo. You literally almost killed me right there. Oh, um, I I would like to thank the uh, team at Professional Technical in Silver Spring, Maryland. They have repaired my electronic keyboard, and it now boots up, and I have a... I have my morale recovery device has been returned to me after a couple of weeks. I uh, can stop playing with the guitar and like get back to the keyboard, which one I learn more on on the guitar because I'm further behind on it. But I do relax more on the piano because I can just groove on it and do whatever. So um, thank you to them. Um, and I'm super excited um, for our guest today. The uh, the lost episode with Madison uh, is too bad, but uh, we'll get her really back is. on. That was a good episode. <laughs> we'll get her back on. I think I sent a a, uh, a YouTube video to you guys of a game 
that we might want to play uh, in the Beers with Talos channel. So you can look at that afterwards as we figure out how we introduce the world formally to uh, Madison Sickburns. Just a, a soft launch today. Yeah, soft launch. <laughs> this is more. This is basically market research at this point. Seeing how the how the fans react to Madison. Yeah, vote up or vote down. We'll we'll see if she comes back in the future. Yeah, we'll run a poll in the chat and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So far, so far, the uh, the premium YouTube audience is 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 going wild. Like they they seem to be enjoying having having new blood on the show. Thumbs up all the way. Lorraine, how's your week been? What's been going on? I brought my car in to get fixed after uh, it was hit in New Jersey by someone in an Amtrak truck on the way home from Maryland. Oh, wow. Yeah, left no note. Shocking. Although that's this is really the surprising part. If you were driving for work, it's not your liability. It's theirs. Although I guess probably they'll fire the dude. You so got hit by the man and didn't get... Oh, so. no. Yeah, sure. Don't leave a note. If you're going to get fired, don't leave a note if you hit my car. Uh. That's fair. All right, well, let's rotate around. Uh, Madison, how are you doing? What's going on? Anything you want to drop on us at the top of the show? How's your week been? Uh, the week's been good. It is so great to work for an awesome manager on an awesome team <laughs> at an awesome company. <laughs> wow, <laughs> we going right little, to the bottom. A little brown on my nose there. Uh, no, it's going good other than, you know, my lunch was interrupted. So we'll see how the rest of this goes. That lobster bisque is getting cold, but it's how okay. Is, That's what a microwave's for. It's like one thirty, Madison. How long's your lunch? Damn. Oh, it didn't happen because, you know, you get pings and then things happen. So, I really should block my lunch hour, but it never happens. For those, you know, if it, for anybody not thinking about the math of production. So releasing this podcast on the day that the year review report has gone live, which means that we're recording this, you know, sometime before. So at this point in time, like Dave and his team are, are, are largely done, like authoring, getting all the stuff done for the report. And now Madison is incredibly busy with figuring out how to get this whole thing launched along with uh, Hazel and Don on my team. John, when he takes a, takes a whole bunch of people to put something like that out. So while, while Madison is being, Cheery, I, I will tell you this is probably like one of the busiest weeks she's had in a long time. And yes, we absolutely just like took a crap all over her day. We're like, hey, come on the podcast with us. So there is that. That's it's there. okay. It's it's an honor to be here. And um, I will say I'm staring at an empty coffee mug because this morning I started my day with a nice little hot chocolate with some, you know, Christmas sprinkles. So it is definitely, you know, like the Starbucks red cup season, but for us who just make them at home, it's a little cup of cheer. So I'm excited to, you know, like start each day now with a nice little gourmet Christmas hot chocolate, which is just, you know, the predecessor to the pumpkin spice latte. Do 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 you have a do you have a cocoa sweater? Wait. No, it's not the predecessor. It's a successor. <laughs> yeah, there's no way that works out. It's the whole the DNA's wrong. The whole DNA's is wrong. Is it backwards? Did it's I get a that successor. backwards? Successor. Thing. It's yeah, like the successor. Star Wars trilogy of my like fall drinks and you know, just So what's the third? What's is there a New Year's beverage? Does it switch to a new flavor? Or we oh, go back to Halloween? Did I make the wrong no, end no, of no. this trilogy? We go back to just a simple chai. That's like what holds okay. you over until you okay. get a little spicy in the fall. Dave, how are you doing today? Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's great to be back. And uh, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I want to give 
the beers of Talos community, what they want, throw them the red meat of another Ranksgiving. And to be sure, I have a list ready to go. But I have to get something off my chest first because I'm worried that we might not have any more Thanksgivings to rank if things continue oh. the way they are. And of course, I'm talking about perilous. I'm talking about the encroachment of Christmas. Um, <laughs> now, we have a colleague, and they'll remain nameless. I'm not trying to blow up their spot. But pretty much the day after Halloween, they announced they were taking PTO to go stay at something called a quote-unquote Christmas house, um, which I, I was shocked. I'm still not quite sure. Is that where you, like, wait until the Yankee candle closes by hiding in a corner and then like you have a sleepover. It sounds there. more like a haunted house, but it's just Santa and gingerbread men and stuff who are serving. There's you. no way you wouldn't have a headache by the time you woke up. I actually, I actually think we should camp out in the Yankee candle. Actually, <laughs> if you guys wanna come up here. It's it's, I wish it was just this, this unnamed employee, but I'm walking down my street after Halloween. They're taking down the Halloween decorations. They're putting up wreaths, Frosty, the Nutcracker. Uh, where are the gourds? Where are the hay bales? Um, where's Thanksgiving? If if we continue at this rate, Thanksgiving is going to be Christmas Junior. So and New Year's Eve will be Christmas Plus. So you're you're calling out the war on Thanksgiving? Yeah, pretty much. And I think I know what the issue is, and it's a mascot problem. Hmm. I I want to hear this out, but I I disagree i have actually okay go for it let me hear about your mascot i think we should eat santa (laughs) yeah exactly if we ate santa it would be perfectly that would be a perfect you know analogy but the problem is our mascot is the victim of the whole thing Mm. and Mm. i don't i don't think a turkey is going to serve us anymore and i'm i definitely want to hear your side of things but in the long in the long run the mascot of christmas is also the victim it just you got to read to the end of the book to get there. This is actually, yeah, that's, that is, that is actually true. But if you keep reading, not the victim. Yeah. Turns out he's actually, he was the hero. Not yeah, even he was the hero all along. <laughs> Dave's not down with this story. I have a million things I want to say, but not on podcast. Nothing good comes from the remainder of this bit. <laughs> yeah, we should stop now. Dude, the acid trip in the final chapter is my favorite yeah. part. Be liberal with the bleeping. Uh, you can go ahead and cut whatever you need to from that part there, Hazel. Like, <laughs> oh, Hazel, just just, um, so, just bleep, bleep a lot. Just random shit in there. So, Dave, I, I understand what you're saying with the mascot issue, but like, I mean, there is a way maybe you could view the mascot as the ultimate prize, you know, of the season. Like that's, that was, you know, the ultimate goal is to, is to get the Turkey. Um, my theory is that they are lacking. I mean, that they're up against smack up against the all time goat holiday PR team. That is Christmas. Like, I mean, we have like mascots. Coca-Cola? We have songs. I mean, god damn, how many songs do we have? We have capitalism. Yeah, we have we have whole towns like redu like I mean, the, the PR and comms team for Christmas is world class, right? 
Name a Thanksgiving it's song. It's just Coca-Cola. Name a Thanksgiving it's song. It's just Coca-Cola. We have a big company. We could come up with Thanksgiving What's song. a Thanksgiving yeah. song? Matt owns it. I mean, there's Adam Sandler's Thanksgiving song, but that's hardly going to cut are, it. There are five million classic modern rock. I mean, you know, yeah, every exactly. genre has all kinds of It's Christmas already music. second to another December holiday. So, Mitch, you're exactly right. That's it. That's what um, you got. And we yeah. are a big company, right? We have the resources to maybe help out a bit. So, I did... Really? Uh, yeah. Last night, I didn't sleep very well, and I did workshop a character. Um, I'll post it in the uh, Beers of Talos uh, room, but I call him the Turkey Lurkey Man, and uh, he sort of goes around to all the houses, and it, it's a rough sketch, so there's still a lot of work to be done, but he goes around to the houses and peeps in the windows to check on your turkey. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I know this is a an audio mm. medium, but uh, if we like him and we want to move forward, only maybe we could. Uh, you have a large X following. Maybe we could post him on X. I think he he'd be good lurking there. Oh yeah, I'll throw him on X right now. Yeah, from you know that could be a grease fire turkey. Does he have so, hands or are those feathers? Like, Jesus is he Christ lurking is because he is the turkey or is he the protector of the turkey? Like, is that thing on the side of his face like an oil burn? I think it's yeah, an open kind of sinus cavity. Develop. Um, maybe he's a turkey man hybrid. Um, there could be some savior Kind of sure. There. Those are tentacles. Yeah. Yeah, they could be. So he kind of has like. Like featherless turkey wings for arms? Yeah, I think all those things. Of one substance of being with the turkey. Yeah, just general turkey. You know, is it good or not? Maybe he gives you a present if he approves of the turkey. To make sure you have a turkey. Is he is he leaving turkey? Yeah, you could maybe or leave him a piece. Is he just making sure they're stored at the correct temperature? Yes. Being brined 24 hours beforehand? Yeah, listen, there's all sorts of wild things that go on in, in, uh, in holidays um and this could be no different i think this could be a real important addition and uh get us back on track to bring in november back to thanksgiving with the turkey lurkey man wait a second if he's a turkey man hybrid now we have a mascot that's kind of cannibalistic and i don't know about that and if he dates taylor swift we would you would win everything travis kelsey to turkey lurkey watch out travis turkey lurkey yeah, coming <laughs> coming for your girl um okay. i uh I did throw this up on Twitter um, because <laughs> Azim doesn't do anything but watch Twitter, as far as I can tell. Um, I immediately replied with, I recognize this artist. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, game knows game is what I guess I'm saying here. <laughs> I recognize this artist's work. <laughs> No, I really think, Dave, like, I I think you're onto something here. I think that next Thanksgiving, like, Thanksgiving is going to be saved, and you will be, I mean, Turkey Lurkey Man's going to be, like, Superman, but you're going to be the Robin in the Shadows. Like, it's going to be because of you. Can we just, you know what, here, I'm going to do this. Um, let's see. I'm going to create a WebEx team space called Save Thanksgiving. Okay, okay. And we'll add Dave. Yep. Oh, nope. Hold on. Wrong Dave. Get that Dave out of there. Yeah, that's wrong, Dave. I have too many Daves. Uh, that's why I do last names. We'll throw Liebenberg in there. Poor Rainer's going to be so confused. <laughs> Madison and Mitch and Lorene and Wendy. Yep. Bishop. Yep, yep. Create. And then I'm just going to attach this picture. 
And I'm just going to ask Wendy, hey, Wendy, can you work with this question mark? <laughs> just <laughs> Listen, real quick, though, because I'm I'm team Dave and team save Thanksgiving. Like, I agree. I still have pumpkins on my porch. Like, it is not December 1 yet. Like, it's still your team. You haven't even given up on Halloween yet. Well, hold no, on, hold on, hold on. Halloween's not a thing. But I have to say, you just, you put potentially the opposition in that space. Because Wendy, she loves her Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. You might have just doomed it from the start. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> That's turkey working, man. Duh. <laughs> just, tell her, just tell her to imagine you're Craig and do her thing. Just like, imagine I'm Craig and just... Yeah. Do your thing. Do, do your magic. <laughs> so, but you bring up an important point, Madison. Uh, and real quick, we need a, we need a quick time check from Hazel until we actually get to security content. Uh, oh, and he's going to cut all this out. <laughs> she's like, it's another thirty seconds. I'm done with you, assholes. There is eight more minutes to enjoy to to, to listen to until you get to the security content. <laughs> Uh, uh, but so when, when is the appropriate cutoff? Madison, you just mentioned December 1st. Now I would propose that we have Turkey Lurkey Man be the, be the, the start, the de facto grand marshal of the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade. And then when Santa comes at the end, we have now officially, like, once Santa comes down, you know, once Santa comes down, you know, once Santa's in the parade, he closes the parade. Once the parade is over, we're now clear to begin discussing Christmas, playing Christmas songs, putting up Christmas decorations, because nobody's doing any of that shit on Thanksgiving Day itself, because we're all getting uh, fat and watching football and passing out on the couch. Yes, but you've missed another important element, and that oh. is Halloween. And Dave had mentioned the Halloween decorations go down and the Christmas wreaths come up. So right. I feel like Turkey Lurkey Man has to lurk on Ooh. Halloween so that way he can come out, mm. I guess, what, November 1st. Then he's lurking all November long. And then then we can bring him to the parade. And then Santa does his thing. Yep. Like he's, he's a lurker, but he's a protector. And that, Your Honor, is the case for the defense. Right? Like he is here to protect Thanksgiving on all the land. See, that's what you don't want to do. Oh. I mean, God forbid you well, get and, caught by mm-hmm. the turkey lurker putting up Christmas decorations. Well, I think, I think we like borrow some Day. elements of, of Trick or Treat that Turkey Lurkey that's, Man can come that's gonna and make a bad, take down gonna be a bad the Christmas scene. decorations if they're up before, yeah. you know, like a little, a little trick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Your kids will love it. That's what the tentacles are for, I think. I, I'm excited for Turkey Lurkey Man on a shelf. That's what I'm looking for. No, Turkey Lurkey Man one has to live in the fridge. Like if he if we're doing it's like he's gonna be he's got to be fridge based. <laughs> in I, the I, middle I, of the night, dressed in a mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a drumstick with googly eyes. <laughs> uh.
With like a little beak on the end of it and like googly eyes. <laughs> just like hops around, like doesn't have any legs. And does he grow into, he grows into a whole turkey lurkey man by, by the time Thanksgiving comes around. I would love to put a drum, hide a drumstick with googly eyes in my parents' home, actually. That's <laughs> a great idea. Does he then like sacrifice himself and we eat him on Thanksgiving or is he like a snowman yeah, oh, and he yeah. melts? Like how, what mm. is his? No, no, no. He's not the turkey you eat. Because remember, we're getting away from the mascot being the victim here, right? Yes, yes. So he's the guardian of the turkey. He is the protector of the turkey. He grows into something. He is the buffer that exists between (laughs) Thanksgiving and chaos. Spitting out the eyes. (laughs) Look, let me tell you what. If he's a drumstick with googly eyes... His ass getting eaten, so. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he he, he develops, he, he, he comes, he comes uh, the day after Halloween. He arrives in the fridge and he's the drumstick with googly eyes. And he like <laughs> then proceeds to develop into Turkey Lurkey Man and protect yeah. your home from Christmas <laughs> until Thanksgiving Day. Amy, Amy and Wendy. Oh wait, you put Amy. Figured out that this is a Pierce <laughs> with Talos bit that they've been dragged into in a WebEx team channel, and they're not super abused. <laughs> Just <laughs> so, oh, Dave, we haven't even. Holy crap, we are thirty minutes into this, and we haven't even gotten to Thanksgiving yet. Hazel, have you cut this yet? This is the good stuff. What are you oh, talking sorry, about? Sorry, Hazel. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah, Hazel. Hazel thinks that last episode was the hardest thing she's ever had. To so, edit. Dave, Dave. Now that we have a, we have we have the basis of a plan to actually save this holiday, uh, I, and I think this is something that we need to pay serious attention to. Uh, thankfully, uh, you know, as we get toward the end of the year and our schedules start to lighten up a little bit, we can we can really start to dedicate uh, the resources that this cause deserves. Uh, and and get this off the ground uh, and to, to save this important holiday. But one of the things that we want to talk about regarding Thanksgiving is the actual ranking of the foods. Do do we do we want to go through all of our sides again? Do we want to rank everything top to bottom and and see how how it plays out this year? Do we have different rankings? I, I do have a top five. Um, okay, ready to go. And and Hazel, for all the editing you're going to have to do, I think you're going to like this year's list quite mm. a bit because I made an important addition that I know you've been clamoring for. Um, it's going to be some British garbage, isn't it? <laughs> no, Lord, no. Um, so starting off my top two, I believe are the same as last year. I haven't checked, but I'm going stuffing and number one with a bullet stuffing, I think remains on top. Still the best. Number two, sweet potatoes with the marshmallows baked mm-hmm, on top. Mm-hmm. And number three, this one's for you, Hazel. Turkey. Get in. Bringing turkey back. Getting it on the list. I know she's a big turkey supporter. Well, so Turkey Lurkey so Man has has done his job and has gotten turkey back yes. on the list where it belongs. I do have a question on the, the sweet potatoes. Uh, nuts or no yeah. nuts? No nuts no for pecans? me. I haven't tried that, though, so I, I'm not mm, an anti-nut. Yeah. I just, I've never had I started that. doing them with uh, pecans and some bourbon in the sweet potatoes, and turns out that's great. Well, texturally, it sounds yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just to round it off, gravy because it just ties everything together. It does make the world go round. And yeah, and a new entrant for uh, for this year, dips. As a category, all dips. I all love dips. dips. They're all valid and they're all delicious. Okay, now here's a question. Here's, here's so dips. We're thinking salsas, guacamole, like things we usually think of dips. French onion dips, uh, cheese yes. dips, 
yes. those kind of things. Is gravy a dip? Ooh, it can be. Well, what 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 about cheesy potatoes? What if I grab a hunk of bread and just run that through the cheesy potato bowl? Does that then become a dip as well, or does that remain a side that I have? No, now misused? you're a dick. I can't eat the cheesy potato. <laughs> <laughs> just contaminated them with bread. I didn't say I double dipped. You said you ran your bread through the cheesy potatoes. Well, yeah, just just grab. I'm not going to eat them now. Nah. Well, it's not the spit I'm worried about. You can spit in the potatoes. It's the gluten. <laughs> Just single dipping, it will, will mess it up. Your saliva is fine. So, okay, that was an interesting interesting top five. Now, I am surprised that Turkey made the list, but in on the other hand, not surprised at all because we have met Turkey Lurkey Man. He is here to bring the turkey back Yep, and give it its rightful place on the list, smack in the middle of the list. Uh, exactly. So debuting at number three on Dave's list this year is Turkey. That's right. Turkey Lurkey Man, the spirit spoke to me. But we did come together today. I mean, that's all the time we got. So let's should we do a roundtable? I'll see you guys next week. (laughs) Have a good time. Um, (laughs) No, we did. We did come together today to talk about uh, a a thing that we put out every year. We have to release two two versions of this episode, by the way. Like one we link to like year interview stuff, so people can actually listen to this part of the episode, and one that is just the full length of of the episode. Uh, no, I absolutely can't be bothered with that. Um, but we did come together today to talk about our year in review report. This is a big project that we undertake every year, uh, where we look back on the entire year's worth. <laughs> For the second year. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and we're not letting up. We're not letting up. Can't quit. Won't quit. Never going to quit. This is what we do now. Mike, get fired. Won't quit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, the start we had, there was a, a larger uh, Cisco cybersecurity report that we would contribute to uh, that came out, you know, years ago. Uh, and they would do a, end, or a beginning of the year and a mid-year kind of a thing. Uh, that fell by the wayside. And we decided to, to pick that up and actually do a full report based on, uh, you know, around the threat intelligence trends of the year. Uh, everything we were seeing in the threat landscape uh, and, and looking at this huge set of data. Uh, that we have around everything we've collected all year. Uh, a lot of you may be familiar with like some of the other products Dave's team puts out. Uh, we have like the, the intelligence reports, the uh, threat assessment reports, uh, all of that data that they are looking at and analyzing every day of the year uh, comes down and, and boils down and is distilled into this report. Um, so Dave, I guess I'll, I'll hand it over to you to kind of just give us the the top level on this year's report, we have a, a lot of, we're looking at a lot of the same things we looked at last year. There's definitely some changes in the threat landscape, but as everybody might suspect, there's, there's a lot of things that stay the same. So what were uh, some of your top level takeaways this year and, and kind of walk us through the top of that report? Yeah. So um, that's a good place to start off sort of what are some new things we've been seeing and what things have stayed the same um, new things, the, intense kind of geopolitical conflicts that we've been seeing in 2023 and uh, in 2022 as well continue to play out in the cyber landscape, um, particularly with China-affiliated APTs. We've seen, I would say, an intensification of activity in that space. Um, And related to that, we're seeing a lot of targeting of network devices and a lot of targeting of telecoms 
Uh, and this is sort of cross-regional trends that we're observing, which is definitely very concerning. Um, and you talked about it a little bit in the, the last Beers of Talos uh, with, with the wonderful Caitlin Huey, but we are seeing some more pure extortion plays or uh, pure extortion groups or ransomware groups that used to do encryption that are now just going ahead straight to the extortion part of things. Um, and then there's a bunch of stuff that just stayed the same, like valid credentials still being a huge problem. Uh, phishing still being a huge problem. Ransomware still being a huge problem. A lot of the same uh, vulnerabilities still being exploited to great success. So a lot of the old things still work, but there's certainly some new concerning trends as well. One of the things that we, of course, are going to talk about uh, year over year, it feels like, is is ransomware and extortion. Uh, obviously something that is... I don't know, better or worse, while it may change. And, and we've seen, you know, we discussed in here that there is that move away from ransom into pure extortion plays, double extortion plays, other forms of, of getting money from that. Um, so given that that is a, a, a thing that is here for, you know, the foreseeable future, what evolved or changed in that space specifically this year? I mean, do we see a lot of any changes in actors, verticals, and and other trends? So vertical-wise, there was a difference um, in that um, I think last year education was the top targeted vertical, and this year was healthcare. So there's a difference in, in industry there, but similar kind of issues, you know, low downtime tolerance, maybe not the the richest budget for cybersecurity uh, out there. So in a way that changes, but is also some consistency as well. Um, the In terms of actors, what's interesting is you still have a lot of, when you're looking at the main players, uh, a lot of that remained consistent. Lockbit, I think, was most uh, active last year and was the same for this year as well. But we talk a lot about these leaked kind of ransomware builders that uh, start coming out in the past couple of years. And we're really now starting to see some of the effects of that. And there's a lot of smaller, less sophisticated groups that are able to leverage that and, you know, can go out and launch their own ransomware attacks or build their own uh, ransomware variants based off of these. And they might have less experience. They might have more willingness to uh, engage in more risky types of attacks. So you're seeing a greater sort of democratization that we observed last year continue as new smaller groups kind of enter the fray a little bit. We talk about that a lot. Uh, how like the the line between uh, opportunistic or you know hacktivism kind of actors and and state sponsored or or nation state actors kind of gets blurred sometimes as as capabilities are well, the way you said like democratized and the capabilities that used to be reserved for you know what you might consider the upper echelon of attackers is now more widely available uh, and it, that seems to be a trend that that continues. Uh, on forward, I have I, one other question on. Um, so I noticed that you have like automotive, and uh, in, in, in those vectors and those top, um, I'm sorry, verticals that you uh, that are called out in the report: uh, the automotive industry, uh, construction, manufacturing, 
there's a lot of, and I guess even to some extent, public administration. There, there, a lot of these verticals have high instance of IT and OT networks. I don't know if that was uh, anything that came up in the research. Like, is is there more activity leaning toward the OT side uh, in terms of ransom extortion and taking over those networks? Or are we still seeing this primarily on the IT side? So it's interesting that you mentioned that because in one of the incidents we responded to in IR uh, in this past year, uh, it was a LockBit ransomware incident, I believe. Um, it did actually affect both the IT and the OT systems, create a bunch of downstream disruptions. Um, and that's certainly a concern. Um, and, you know, depending on the sophistication, the intent of the actor, just how much access they're able to achieve. OT networks can definitely be at risk from these attacks for sure. And we've observed it. Interesting. The, um, when you, you, when you mentioned the, the network infrastructure, uh, piece of the report and, and a lot of the information that we have in there, that that's a, a thing that has been a topic of discussion all throughout this year, uh, network devices being vulnerable and and that being a, a major security loophole. The differences in how network admins are looking at devices and treating devices versus how like the SecOps team may do the same thing. Uh, what were some of the some of the the big picture items on, in that network infrastructure part of the report where we we saw interesting trends or or problematic developments? It's just it's a it's a big problem because I think they it's it's kind of a very very good target just based on the attack surface the value you can get from from getting in there and the difficulty in monitoring uh these devices i think because there's not you know a one size fits all security solution for these devices uh, a lot of organizations struggle with their monitoring of them a lot of organizations may be reluctant to update them for, for reasons I'm sympathetic to. Um, there might be misconfigurations. There's just a lot of um, opacity there. And, you know, there might be... So if an actor is on there and, you know, is you might have trouble detecting behavior that's unusual. You might have trouble detecting logging getting turned off just because of the unfamiliarity of, of, of actually monitoring those devices. And it's a problem that we, we saw is very, very, um, it's affecting almost every vendor. It's just, it's, it's, it's a very universal problem. Every geography, every vendor is affected by this. And unfortunately, depending on the sophistication or the intent of the actor, it can lead to some, some very harmful consequences um, depending what they're what they're able to achieve. Well, and you you mentioned an interesting point, Lorraine. You often have said on this podcast, like the person who knows the network best owns the network. Uh, and you mentioned like the opacity, the difficulty in managing these devices. Um, I mean, is misconfiguration a, a huge part of what you see, or I mean, just the way networks are set up make this more difficult, or is the issue really just in like security teams managing switch devices themselves? Like, wh where's the the difficulty there, the opacity, I guess, in that layer? There are three main things, right? It's the misconfigurations um, and the difficulty in patching. Um, 
And those, I think, are kind of interrelated in that they're sort of complex uh, setups that if you try to change, you know, something, you could have huge impact that you might not have wanted. So there's reluctance there. And then I think the third is more manageable, which is weak and default credentials um, and just weak credential management. Just the fact an adversary might already uh, have be inside and have you know valid accounts ready to go and try things before they start trying to um, exploit some of these devices. Um, but what you said about who knows the network best owns the network, I think there's uh, we see with a very advanced adversary, they know these devices incredibly well um, to the point that, you know, I was surprised at some of the capabilities of what they were able to do in terms of modifying things in memory or just demonstrating a real sophistication and, and deep knowledge. And you do wonder, you know, how much of that do are the defenders worrying about as well and how deep are they getting, especially when it comes to regular monitoring. Well, I mean, I can tell you, like, I've worked on networks or logged into a network to to fix or adjust something. You find a switch that is like has like eight years of uptime, and that's kind of like you know, network admins can be proud of that. They're like, because they it's it's hard to take a switch down if you know you don't have failovers and double redundancy, and you can't reroute the traffic to to do an update to do a reconfiguration. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's just, I guess there's inherent challenges in there as well, just in, in the normal operation of that equipment in most environments. And then you have like Soho devices getting popped or, you know, mom and pop routers or whatever. And, you know, a small organization or a home router, I think people aren't doing a lot of monitoring or checkups or, you know, they might just be using the default creds for those as well. I so, promise they you know, are, yeah. Like most of the time. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's just it's a it's a hard problem, hard, hard attack surface to defend. Yeah. Yeah. You look like you wanted to say something, Lorraine. Like you're you're contemplating it. Yeah, I don't I don't think that it's possible to defend certain things in certain ways. Like if somebody has modified the memory in your device, how often do you look at the memory in your device? You're going to, you're going to catch that. And, and I also think it's kind of funny that people are surprised at that level of sophistication because like that level of sophistication is what every government on earth pays for. They pay good money for it. They pay a lot of people to learn to do that. They can all do it. And the fact that white hats are surprised when black hats do something clever is the most ridiculous thing in the world to me. It's just so ridiculous. Like, because you can't do it does not mean there are not hundreds of thousands of people doing it every day. It is so it's so funny when I when I'm talking when did this happen last? <clears throat> I think I was talking about a vulnerability in one of our products um with a senior level person and I was like this is actually pretty sick what they did in this like right here to to get to this piece point. And they're looking at me like I'm insane. I'm like it took some talent to do that. Like, it's not, they're just looking at me like, never mind. I just, it's bad, but they did it very I well. I think it's great. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they're bad people, but that's pretty amazing. I mean, like, it's not a surprise. It's just like, hey, that was, here's, was like a, a good play. Here's the thing. The level of what people consider a good play has gone down over 20 years. It has not gone up. 
right? Like hacking something is like a base level where memory corruption manipulation occurs. And if people now think that that's an amazingly high sophistication level, it's been around since the 60s. That's how people interacted with computers. Everybody interacted with every computer in the 60s by peeking and poking memory. And if people now are like, whoa, that's that's black magic that no one can do, then they are wrong and silly and they don't know their history. 90 some percent of personal computer users have never touched the command line. 99% of personal computer users have never touched a personal computer. They have touched a cell phone. I, I think there's something too to like what makes someone say, wow, going down. It's just so much you see just someone has valid accounts and just bought them from an IAB. And like, it takes so much less effort now that when you see memory modifications and stuff, it's, it's more unusual. So yeah, I, I definitely see oh, that for sure. Some, somebody did in 1996. Woo. And, but, uh, think you're being sort of like a stuffy ass, Larry. Like, like we, <laughs> we watch so much like garden variety shit kind of go through where you're like, oh, there's, you know, where you see this sort of thing and then yeah. you see someone pop up on, you know, a different platform and it's clear that they've had to do some unique research to get there. I'm never like shocked and like baffled to see them there but i'm always like oh okay cool like this was a you know that's always how i approach it where i'm like hey you 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 didn't just download metasploit and like which will 100 percent get you a lot of places um no you you have jumped through some hoops and have done some original research and i don't know i always find that amusing yeah well i mean that's a whole different story though like that's it's it has to do with the perception of difficulty of certain activities in hacking which is real strange to me yeah so i mean the flip side of that matt is like you know there's a sampling error that you live in a world where like this is what people are capable of doing so you have a little bit more exposure to to that kind of thing and but i mean like Speaking of, you know, elite actors or or people doing amazing things in networks, one of the other big topics we talked about in the report was kind of an update on uh, APTs, Advanced Persistent Threats. Uh, we kind of put them into a little bit different buckets than we did last year. I think we just had, last year, I remember, we just had one big APT section and kind of talked about them all. Uh, but we kind of broke that up by region a little bit this year. Do you want to take us through that, Dave? Yeah, Sure. Um, so China was the big standout for me, um, cause I've been tracking, you know, threat at China affiliated APTs and China threat actors for a long, long time. And this year was pretty remarkable, uh, to me in terms of some of the things I saw most particularly concerning for me was the targeting of telecoms and even more concerning where they are, uh, in places such as Guam, um, where in you know certain regional conflicts, Guam would be absolutely integral to uh, to defense um, of a place like Taiwan, for instance. Um, so when you have actors doing that, like Volt Typhoon, who are sophisticated, who um, are persistent, and who 
you know, others have assessed that they could be developing capabilities to even carry out disruptive or destructive attacks through their targeting of the telecoms and the U.S. defense industrial base. Um, it's, it's certainly an intensification to the degree that it almost seems like some sort of signaling or if not signaling, then, um, a, a illustration of what could happen were there to be something short of a conflict or even in a conflict. Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, just in the scale of, of, of what we could observe to me, there was a signally type aspect to that. Um, in terms of uh, Russia, which we also deal with, um, the two main threats we were looking at were Gamaradon and Turla, um, particularly Gamaradon, um, which was the top threat we observed in our Ukraine task force, um, which... If you don't know, we have a task force devoted to uh, stopping threats on um, a couple dozen uh, Ukrainian critical infrastructure organizations, and Gamerdan was on the top threats there. Um, and the interesting thing, though, with Russia is that you know we you're not sort of seeing the full display of all the capabilities that you know that those threat actors uh, possess and. You know, we do look and see the how much of the defender community is working there, um, how much collaboration there is with stuff like our task force and things like that. And I do, you know, I don't know the exact reasons, but I do think that that's probably had some sort of positive impact there. Um, but uh, still seeing some APT activity targeting Ukraine for sure. And then we get into the Middle East and just acknowledge this is one of the most complicated geopolitical uh, areas in the entire world and um, things haven't gotten any less complicated. I'll say that. And you are seeing some similar sort of APT activity with the targeting of telecoms, um, which we observed with the Shroud Snoober uh, attacks. And um, you're still seeing uh, a lot of, a lot of, um, hacktivism related to Israel-Hamas conflict and things like that. So all across the board, though, what you can link together is there's geopolitical disruption, then you're going to see activity that reflects that in the cyber landscape. Uh, one of the things that we actually also have tucked in there, uh, Dave, you kind of touched on a lot of the, the attacks on Ukraine uh, when we're talking about the, the, the Russia section of that report, we also have a, a, a page tucked in there, um, uh, concerning project power up, uh, and, and keeping the lights on in Ukraine. Uh, that was uh, a project that, uh, Joe and SPNC, Joe Marshall was working on with so many people, uh, it took to, to kind of get that done. Um, I don't know, Matt, do you want to? Do you, are, are you busy right now? You, um, wanna... I'm always busy, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, between the job and the ADHD, I'm always doing something. <laughs> well, you're talking about project power up. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add in on that. I have a really hard job in that I have to walk into 
some really serious places on the international stage and tell them that I can help them um, or that I can work with them at their level. Um, and I've had to do that all the way back since we were source fire. And I can tell you that both from a just having a conversation with different organizations globally as Cisco versus SourceFire, being from Cisco sure does open a lot of doors. But it is so easy to walk into a technical situation with all of Cisco at your back and be like, I can, I can help you. And if I can't help you personally, I have access to systems and levers that if, if, if the right thing is to, to do this, I bet we can get this done. Um, and this is a, the first time that some, we've done something like that has gone to the point where we could talk about it publicly. Um, and so I'm just super proud of Joe Marshall. I want to be real clear. I had nothing to do with the success of this. So like I, I've talked a lot about Ukraine. I just want to be real clear. This is all Joe Marshall and the team he put together um, having having done this. So I'm, I'm just on the sidelines cheering um, for this work. Um, but it is a real it's a real good show of what Cisco can do when Cisco focuses on a problem. This took a whole lot of of wrangling to make happen and then get to the point where we talk about it and then everything else. Um, so yeah, yeah. Cisco can be an extraordinary pace place to work. And this is, this is a real thing that honestly happened that, that I think is a fantastic story and just shows the kind of work that we do sometimes that we don't get to talk about. And, and the kind of, more details of that story can be found on, I mean, we've seen coverage in CNN, we've seen coverage in innumerable international outlets, uh, and and maybe one day we'll get to tell that story too. We got to cross some I's and dot some T's, but we'll uh, hopefully get to where we can publish a little bit more information on, on what we got up to. Just stepping in here to say that that blog is actually live now, so do check out the Project Power Up article on the Talos blog. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dave, uh, circling back into the, the larger report, we closed this year out with commodity, talking about commodity loaders, um, something that is a, a, a big problem with a very boring name. Uh, we used to, you know, same, same threat we used to commonly call banking Trojans. Uh, they've kind of moved away and diversified their own portfolios. So we're now calling them commodity loaders. Uh, what were some of the things that we noted this year that were, that were noteworthy or, uh, you know, changes in the trends? Yeah. So it's interesting to bring up that we, we called them banking Trojans because this is kind of the year where we sort of see them finally accept their identity and dump the banking Trojan vestiges of their past and fully focus on themselves as just uh, a cog in the attack chain to embrace like, their best yeah, life. Embrace yeah. your best embrace life. You're best just life. there to deliver ransomware. It's fine. Um, accept it and, and let's move on. Um, so yeah, we saw like Ursniff, for example, um, was a family really commonly associated with banking Trojan stuff and, they retooled, they dropped a bunch of features and uh, focused more on, you know, just being that loader. And for the first time, we observed um, them being used in concert with a ransomware gang, with Royal Ransomware. Um, uh, in addition, you had Quackbot, who deployed, who updated their 
functionality uh, before they got taken down. Um, deployed some new reconnaissance commands to sort of you know automate and help facilitate uh, discovery and spreading ransomware and, and stuff like that. So there, we definitely saw ransomware developers acknowledge, hey, we're primarily used to deliver ransomware. That's the best way we can achieve success right now. Let's embrace it. Banking Trojan is dead. We are commodity loaders from now on. Um, other than that, we saw some adaptation from operators as Microsoft went to uh, default disable macros. Um, and they are trying a whole, there's a great blog on it uh, from our outreach team on the Talos blog of sort of the different tactics that these operators use to get around that. But basically it's just cat and mouse every time Microsoft would, you know, okay, now you can't have OneNote documents with macros open by default or, you know, whatever they're doing, these operators are going to try and find something, whether it's trying to do SEO poisoning and Google ads and stuff like that. They're going to try and find a way to deliver those commodity loaders um, as best as they can. Well, what was interesting to me in, in that bit of analysis, uh, if you look into the report, so this started as a you know technological cat and mouse game. And as the year went on, uh, it devolved into a lot of these operators resorting to social engineering. Yeah, exactly. I think you see that in extortion and ransomware spaces too, um, and all kinds of, you know, I see it like in my own email for, you know, compared to the type of spam I used to get, where instead of getting a mail doc, it's much more about like, hey, can I trick you into getting on the phone with me um, and try and get you that way? So they are very into like trying to do some in-depth social engineering to, to try and try and trick people these days for sure. Interesting. Uh, so now that we are, uh, <laughs> so far into this episode that I don't know if we can even find our way out. Uh, I do want to kind of get a, a, uh, if anybody has any closing thoughts on the year interview report specifically, uh, any key takeaways that you want to share with us, Dave? Um, other 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 findings that we didn't quite get to. Yeah, I kind of wanted to. I mean, we talked about Project Power Up, and I want to give a shout out to Joe again and that remarkable work. But it kind of speaks to one of the themes I tried to hit on in my intro, where I tried to be very unlike how I usually am and tried to accentuate the positive a little bit. And that I do see a lot of really cool stuff from the Defender community. Um, like with our task force or the, the network resilience coalition or just, or even CTA, the cyber threat Alliance, just, it's good to see coordination among, uh, you know, private industry coordination between private and public and just defenders like Joe doing, uh, going the extra step and doing something really, really impactful, um, it's that kind of stuff that actually, it's almost that, you know, you see all this adaptation and inventiveness among the adversaries. I do think you can see a lot of doggedness and sort of this collaborative spirit in the Defender community as well. So how about ending on a little bit of a message of hope and honor the turkey lurkey man. And uh, I'll say the Defender community is doing some really cool stuff that 
that I certainly appreciate. You know, maybe we should, um, you know, have Turkey Lurkey Man make an appearance at the uh, Threat Researcher Appreciation <laughs> Event, uh, you know, this summer, uh, and 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 serve our googly-eyed turkey legs as past order. <laughs> yeah, let's talk to Wendy. Let's talk to Design. I think uh, we talk to Madison. She's one. She's going to be putting it together. So you know, she's she's our she's our keeper of Turkey Lurkey Man right there. So we need an inflatable Turkey Lurkey Man costume. So if you and Wendy could make sure that's designed and you know sewn up and like got to have like the big blow up ones. What do you mean design? I saw the drawing. <laughs> well, I mean it's in August. I don't think we can expect Turkey Lurkey Man to inflatable, appear. Inflatable. We need him. What are you guys talking about? Turkey Lurkey Man is real. Well, Wait, wait a second, though. Yeah. Okay. At the wrong time. Okay, so. Turkey Lucky Mail yep. will be all up in here. At the wrong time. In the summer? Perfect. Bam. We're, yeah, we're going to bait the Turkey Lurkey Man. Man, this is going to be the best bit at that party, and there's going to be five people laughing, but we are going to be losing our shit. Yeah, and they're all on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I already have ideas rolling. I, That's I know. Amy exactly and Wendy people. are already yeah. done with this bit, and they don't even understand this bit yet. <laughs> Before it even began. <laughs> I love Just, it. They saw I, the drawing. Wendy's first wow. reaction that was Wendy's. She was like, I have a strong feeling I should nope out of this whole space. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't already leave the space. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's, let's go around the table. Let's get a parting shot. Closing thought from everybody. Uh, Matt, let's, let's go back to you in the top, right? I think the thing that I I finally flipped over for this year, just in terms of like year end stuff is this is the year where I'm like, it is basic security for you to presume that your adversary has all your usernames and passwords. Like you just, however you're designing your network, just presume that everyone on the planet has your username and passwords and you need to be building controls and authentication mechanisms and checks and visibility and, you know, exfiltration stuff all built on just assuming that that's the case because the amount of credentials that are in flight on the dark web is ridiculous. Um, and, and, Part of the reason, Lorraine, why why I get excited, and I even sent you that that write up for that. I think that uh, checkpoint did on that um, bug was like there's so much things that are security but aren't really technical security. Like, oh, look, I have your username and password, and now I'm you. Um, that when I actually see like actual like hardcore technical security security stuff, I get excited, even if it's the bad guys doing it. Um, so, um, so that's, that's what I would say is, is going into the new year. That's how you have to approach security at this point is, is username passwords is not a security device that you can rely on. And I get no money from duo cells. Go buy whichever freaking multi-factor authentication thing you want. Just make sure that you bought one and you've applied it to everything that you treasure. Lorraine, parting shot, closing thought. How are you doing? Uh, this is the year where I think you need to write a full business case before you put anything on the internet. Pretty sure it is. It's like Google Authenticator. Yeah, no one listened to me the last <laughs> 41 years that I said it. So I'm trying, I'm, I was trying to make it new for this year. Not, not that she's holding the grudge or anything, but... 
<laughs> hey, you know what? If you want all your credentials on the dark web, that's fine. You do that. You you choose your own adventure here. Uh, well, actually, for my prank shot, I, w- I have a question. I want to know, where does Turkey Lurkey Man live? Like, if Santa lives at the North Pole. No, out- outside the train station. Yeah, outside your window and then maybe, like, Newark. Okay. <laughs> outside Newark. Like, does he live on like, like what, what is it like a little, little farmstead or what's his, what's his situation? Yeah. Maybe in that Amtrak truck. So um, you're, you're, you're trying, now we're already going with Turkey Lurkey Man conspiracy that he's the one that actually rear-ended Loreen and then took the f- off. Mm, this is why she hates Thanksgiving. Yes. It all makes sense now. Cracked thank, it. Thank you. Dave, parting shot, closing thought. So I want to give out, uh, give a shout out to listening to the radio, uh, which I've just started to do again recently. Um, since I moved back, back home, I've been listening to an old radio station, Princeton Radio, WPRB. Um, and it's been nice to like not think about what I want to put on and to discover new music and to just hear people's DJ voices or whatever. It's... Uh, if you live near somewhere with a cool station like Indy or College Station, show them some some support and uh, turn the radio on. That's it's only one company, right? Yeah, that's that's actually the key. Like College Radio is is pretty awesome. Like most commercial, not commercial. Radios, no, absolutely. absolutely not. Check out iHeartRadio or whatever. Uh, Madison. I, I know you guys invited me on the podcast today for one thing, and that is to remind our listeners that on December 5th, which is already happened at this point because time travel. Yeah, it was two days ago. Yeah, yeah. so um, you've seen the report, you've read the report, and you either are planning to attend or you have attended our live stream. Oh, wait. <laughs> which is happening. <laughs> no music here. The live stream, which is happening at noon eastern on december 7th so join that if it's before if it's after catch it on demand on youtube and additionally in the future of the future december 12th we are doing dare i say our first ever reddit ama so yes uh catch the live stream watch it on demand read the report bring your questions to the ama Go year and review. By the way, if that sounded like a really weird, jumpy edit, it's because I had to take out something wholly inappropriate that should never see the light of day. Uh, so is is just a, a point of what is going on in the podcast. So we that that huge long podcast that we recorded while we were all on site a couple weeks ago in Maryland is is still being edited. So that's gonna be coming out after this over the holidays. Uh, and we're going to be taking a break from putting out any other episodes until we come back at the beginning of the year. So this is this is basically it for us. Even though we have one more episode coming out, this is the last one we're recording. So I uh, wanted to say a quick thank you to our listeners. Uh, all nine of you are, are literally the coolest people we know. It's weird that we probably have less listeners than we have YouTube premium channel subscribers at this point but i don't i haven't figured the out the irs is going to be one. asking about that, <laughs> that they, have, well, they, they have a few more questions for me i'm sure too so that won't be uh uh high on their list uh but uh we will see you in 2024 
And until then, stay safe, stay secure, and have a fantastic holiday season and a happy new year. And we'll catch you next time. Turkey lurkey. Cheers.